What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for the week six picks. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube, to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple or Google or Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts, make sure you subscribe and follow, leave a review, let us know how we're doing. For week six, we are just going to be focusing on the Big Ten games. There's five Big Ten games this week. I'm going to try to go a little bit more in depth on each of them. Honestly, I didn't have a lot of time to dig into any other games, and so I really wanted to focus on those five. There are four non-conference games that I'm very intrigued by. They're all involving at least one ranked uh, team in those contests, Some of them are obvious. So Alabama plays Texas A&M this week and Georgia plays Auburn. I'm curious about both those games. I don't think either is going to be particularly close. You know, after seeing what Georgia did to Arkansas shutting down that run game, you know, I think Tank Bigsby might be able to do something on that defense, but I'm not, I'm not sold on Bo Nix. I don't think he is a, a great passer but Auburn has some guys that can do some things. So we'll see. I, I think Texas A&M is in a lot of trouble uh, with the, the, the injury. They, they just have looked hapless over the past few weeks. Arkansas Ole Miss, the battle of the beaten teams from last week. You know, Arkansas got shut out by Georgia. Ole Miss got beat up on by Bama. Who wins that game and kind of keeps at least some pace in the SEC West? And then you have the Red River rivalry in the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas. Can Steve Sarkeesian make a big splash in the first year as the Longhorns head coach? And can Lincoln Riley keep the Sooners undefeated and on track for the playoff? Some really, really nice games there. I'm going to mostly, I'm going to first talk about the Big 10 games, and then we're going to take a commercial break. And then I want to pose a question about Cincinnati because... Right now, it looks like Cincinnati has a clear path to the playoff. But the question I want to pose is, does Cincinnati have a BYU problem? Does Cincinnati have a BYU problem? And there's more to that than just BYU, and I'll get to that in a a few minutes. But before we do that, we're going to go through the picks, and then there will be a commercial break. So first game we're going to look at number 11 at Rutgers it's a 12 p.m kick on the Big Ten Network Michigan State is a five point favorite I saw Rutgers up close and personal on Saturday and I really thought Rutgers was going to offer more resistance against Ohio State and there were definitely times where they did in the run game in particular, you know, obviously Travion Henderson had the big run early in that game, but there were a number of times where the Scarlet Knights got Ohio state to third down. They limited some of the, the more normal runs, like that would typically be seven and eight yards. They kept it to three, four and five yards. And so there were definitely moments where Rutgers did some things defensively. Now it doesn't look like it because Ohio state would counter with Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, uh, and, and all their speed on the outside, as well as Jeremy Ruckert. They got the tight end going in that game. Jeremy Ruckert's a stud, by the way, love him. But 
I do think Rutgers is better defensively. Fadakasi is is a legit linebacker, a potential all Big Ten linebacker at Rutgers. They have some guys on the defensive line that can really make things tough. And Michigan State, while they have some guys on the outside, Jalen Red, Speedy Naylor, their offense is predicated on the run game. And that's where Rutgers is strong. And so I think Rutgers can probably limit Michigan State at least a little bit. I don't think their defense is as bad as they showed uh, last week against Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to do that a lot to a lot of teams as they get their groove with C.J. Stroud. On the other side, I think Michigan State, you know, they've looked really good. They, you know, they're 5-0. and coming off a bounce back year from a, a really bad season uh, in the COVID year with Mel Tucker. Kenneth Walker has been a stud, but something that's not been really talked about is their defense. Their defense is allowing over 420 yards a game. You know, they surrendered a lot of yards to Miami and Derek King. Now, granted, Miami looks worse, but Derek King has been out. so. You know, is that a matter of Miami's offense being better and now all of a sudden they're not as good because of the quarterback injury? But Michigan State allowed over 300 yards to De'Aaron King. They were outgained, I think, by almost 200 yards against Nebraska. And honestly, as I looked at the stats more and, and kind of watched that game back a little bit, Nebraska seemed like the better team. They just shot themselves in the foot. And so, now, Michigan State has not allowed a ton of yards on the ground. I think they're allowing a little over 120 yards on the ground. And so I don't think Rutgers is going to be able to score enough to win. Because I do think I think Michigan State will be able to put points on the board. I do think Kenneth Walker will get going probably more in the third and fourth quarter. I, Rutgers is, has got to be tired. You know, they, they went to Michigan. They've played Ohio State. Those are two very good offensive lines. And so I would not be surprised if they wear down in this game just because they don't have the depth that some of these other teams have. But I do think Rutgers will sting them a couple times. Similarly, last, last week, Aaron Crickshank got open on a 75-yard touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco is still a guy that can exploit you uh, on offense at, run, at the running back position. So I, I think Rutgers will score, but I don't think it'll be close to enough. I think Michigan State wins fairly easily as they get into the second half of the game. I've got Michigan State 35, Rutgers 20. Maryland at number seven, Ohio State, 12 p.m. on Fox. It is not the big noon kickoff game, which is confusing because it's on at noon and it's on Fox, but it's not their, their highlight game because obviously the highlight game is going to be later in the day. We'll get to that at the end of the show, but it is a on Fox, Ohio state's a 21 point favorite. This is a, a tricky game for this reason, which Maryland is going to show up. Is it going to be the Maryland that showed up against Iowa and got curb stomped? Or is it going to be the, the Maryland that beat West Virginia that was able to hold on against Illinois? 
And listen, Maryland, I think, you know, I think they have the type of talent on the outside that can exploit some things on defense for Ohio State. It's really a shame that Dante Demas is out for the season. That's a huge, huge blow to their offense. And I, I don't think what you saw against Iowa, at least for their offense, is indicative of their team offensively, right? They, they turned the ball over seven times, which is crazy. Talia Tungavailoa threw five interceptions. A couple of those are really bad passes, but some of them, they were tipped. You know, it was just a hair inaccurate and it turned into an interception. So I, I don't think Maryland is as incompetent offensively as they showed. I think part of that honestly was, you know, Maryland was about to get the ball back. It was 10 to seven at the end of the first quarter. And Dante Demas has that gruesome energy uh, injury. He fumbles the ball. Iowa gets a short field. And then it's, it's off to the races from there. I think a lot of the energy got sucked out of the, the stadium for Maryland. And so I don't think Maryland is, I think they're going to show up on Saturday. I think they're going to score a couple of t- touchdowns. They still have guys, you know, right. Rakeem Jarrett, Tyler Fleet Davis, they have a, a good stable of running backs and Ohio state's defense they look better, but let's be honest, Akron and Rutgers will cure a lot of ills on defense, right? Rutgers was a really good matchup for them as, as we look back because Ohio State has gotten much better at defending the run the past couple of weeks and Rutgers can't really throw, but even Rutgers had a big play on them. They had a 75 yard touchdown with Aaron Crickshank. Rakeem Jarrett's better than an Aaron Crickshank. Like Crickshank is a fine player. Rakeem Jarrett is a future top round pick most likely you know if they develop him right he's got speed to burn he you know he is really really effective as a route runner but the issue becomes he no longer can draw single coverage because Deontay Demas is now out and so that is going to be a tough blow for them so I think this is close going into halftime maybe like a you know a 28 21 or or 21-14, maybe even maybe even like a 21-21 game going into halftime. I do think ultimately Ohio State will pull away. I think Travion Henderson has a monster game. I think Chris Olave has a monster game. And I think I, I think they will exploit some things. Because listen, Ohio State's offense is starting to figure things out. Maryland's defense struggled with Spencer Petrus and Tyler Goodson. They're fine players. Tyler Goodson's a, a, a good Big Ten back, all Big Ten honorable mention type of back, maybe a second team all Big Ten type of back. And they, they got over 400 yards on them. This is a whole nother level. Travion Henderson is... is one of the top five running backs I've ever seen at Ohio state. And he's, he's just a freshman. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are two of the top 10 receivers I've ever seen at Ohio state. Jeremy Ruckert is a really nice tight end. Jackson Smith Jigba could probably be a number one receiver at most other schools. He's the number three receiver and the offensive line is starting to gel. 
And that is going to cause a lot of issues for Maryland's defense, which, which quite honestly, I thought was better, but they, they proved against Iowa that, and Kent state, quite honestly, they are not where I thought they were. This is a, a going to be a explosive game, a lot of points. I do think Ohio state covers. I think they put up 63 to Maryland's 28. I think they, they run away with it in the second half. Wisconsin at Illinois. It's a 3.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. Wisconsin's a 10-point favorite. Graham Mertz is questionable going into this game, and quite honestly, he's been questionable as a player all season. I don't have a lot of faith in him. I don't have a lot of faith in their offense. You know, I thought their running game would be decent. It hasn't. You know, Ches Malusi, you know, eh, right? Their other backs have not been all that effective. Their offensive line hasn't been great at getting a push. And I, I just am skeptical about them at this point. They've had two really rough losses with Notre Dame on a neutral field and then at home against Michigan. And now they have to go to Illinois where I could, I could really see them looking ahead say, okay, this is where we, this is where we get everything together and we'll be okay Meanwhile, you have Brett Bielema, who used to coach at Wisconsin. He knows their culture, knows how they operate. I think Brandon Peters is playing some better ball. I think they have a little bit of momentum. I know it was just Charlotte, but they have played. They're, they're playing better. It seems like they're getting some stuff together. I don't think Illinois is more talented. Like, let's just be honest. They're not more talented. But I, I just don't see Wisconsin being able to move the ball all that well against anybody at this point. I mean, they struggled against Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan's bad. And they, could, they had a tough time moving the ball. And I've not seen any progress. Their quarterback is questionable. Everything behind him is meh. And so I, I think Illinois gets the upset here. I think Illinois wins by four at home, Illinois, 17, Wisconsin, 13. The next game, number nine, Michigan at Nebraska. I spent half of a podcast talking about how this is a game that could save Scott Frost's career. And I think Scott Frost is going to at least make them think about saving his career. If you look at all the quarterbacks that Michigan has faced, Graham Mertz, a bunch of nobodies at Western Michigan and Northern Illinois, a true freshman at Washington who lost to Montana, and then Noah Vedral, whose claim as a quarterback was he hasn't thrown an interception up until Ohio State. Like, he's not a great quarterback. And while Adrian Martinez is, you know, he is turnover prone. He is mistake prone. He's also dynamic. He can run. He can, he can throw. He's got a receiver in Toure who can burn you. You know, they have some defensive weapons. You know, they have Cam Taylor Britt. They have some boys on the defensive line settling those boys. They're playing some good ball. Jojo Doman. They have some pieces. And listen, 
I, you know, the, the metrics are saying Michigan is, is right up there with Ohio state in terms of their S and P plus metrics and their efficiency ratings and all that stuff. I'm not sure that Michigan is better than Oklahoma and Nebraska gave Oklahoma everything they could. And that game, I, I believe that game was at Oklahoma. Nebraska is playing some really good ball, except for the turnovers and the mistakes, right? They're play, by good ball. I mean, they're starting to play up to their talent level. They're starting to compete and Michigan, Michigan's five and O start. Honestly, I think is more smoke and mirrors than, than even Michigan States, right? Cause they, they beat up on some three meh teams and then Wisconsin and, and Rutgers, you know, they, they really struggled with Rutgers. Now I, I think they let them back in the game, but I, I'm very curious, you know, Nebraska's coming off a, a game where they scored at will, they controlled the game from start to finish. Michigan has been in a couple of battles with a lot of hard hitting, a lot of, uh, a lot of tough situations for them. And I still don't buy Cade McNamara. Now, maybe they switched to J.J. McCarthy at quarterback at some point. I know he came in in the second half at Wisconsin. But I – and I can't believe I'm saying this because I've been on the fire Scott, uh, Scott Frost train for – since before the season started. But I am buying Nebraska in this game. Nebraska 27, Michigan 20 on the legs and the arm of Adrian Martinez. Michigan has not faced a quarterback like him. So I've got two, two major upsets this week uh, in the Big Ten. Last but not least, the big one, I think possibly, maybe probably a preview of the Big Ten championship game. Number four, Penn State at number three, Iowa. It's a 4 p.m. kick on Fox. Iowa is a two-point favorite. And I think there's a couple of key questions that I have in this game. One is, can Sean Clifford avoid what no other Power 5 quarterback has avoided? And that is the turnover bug. Iowa has forced 12 interceptions against three Power 5 opponents. That's absurd. I mean, that, that is four interceptions a game against Indiana, Iowa State, and Maryland. And listen, Michael Penix has not looked the same, but, you know, he's still a decent quarterback. This year, he's, he's really struggled. Brock Purdy is a, is a good quarterback. Talia Tungavailoa was really playing well. And they turned him over 12 times. Now, one, one of those interceptions was a backup coming in in relief for Tungavailoa, but Fact remains, they, you know, it's no longer luck, right? They scheme to turn you over and it works. Can Sean Clifford avoid the dumb plays, the turnovers, the dumb mistakes? On the flip side, can Penn State force Iowa to drive the length of the field? Can they force Iowa into long 
offensive or to, to long fields where they have to go the length of the field. So uh, a friend of mine, Chris Ebersol, shout out to you, brother. Um, he, he made this point. If you look at the Iowa Maryland game, the reason why they scored so much, yes, they had a lot of yardage, but look at all the short fields they had. They get turnovers and plus territory over and over and over and over. And that's how they amassed the huge lead. And so, and it's combined with Sean Clifford and, and him not being turnover prone. But if you look at Iowa's offense with uh, last week, notwithstanding, they have struggled against mediocre to bad teams on offense, Colorado state, Kent state, they struggled against Indiana. They, they had less than 200 yards against Iowa state. The reason why they won that game was because of turnovers. And so, yeah, they, they have some guys, you know, Sam Laporta at tight end. He's a good tight end. Spencer Petrus, I think has, is an underrated guy, but I don't think their offense is anything that Penn state's defense is shaken in their boots about. I, I think, and Iowa fans might get mad at me. I think offensively, I think they're probably similar or, or less than similar. Uh, they're maybe less as talented than Auburn and Penn state, you know, they limited Auburn quite a bit. Now tank Bigsby got his because he's tank Bigsby. But listen, Tyler Goodson's good, no pun intended, but he's not Tank Bigsby. Spencer Petrus is good. I'm not sure he's better than Bo Nix when he's good. And I'm not sure that their, their lines are better than Auburn's lines with one, one major exception, and that's Tyler, Tyler Linden Moment Center. He will be the best player on the field for both teams. Um, so I think this is, it, it's a tricky game to pick. I think both teams are really, really good. I think the X factor of this game is Sean Clifford with his legs. Noah Kane has struggled to run the ball. Uh, Lee, their, their second string has looked really good, but then he fumbles. He's had ball security issues. And so how are they going to get some semblance of a running game? And I think it has to be the legs of Sean Clifford buying time, buying time in the pocket to throw to his ridiculous receivers, Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, Brenton Strange is tight end. And can they run, can he run enough so that they have some space to hit some plays down the field? Can he do that? And can he protect the ball? Because in this game, a punt is a win. If Penn State can punt, I really believe that Penn State's back seven, and there, I, I think that there's a, a really underrated matchup that, again, Chris had, had mentioned to me, P.J. Mustafer against Tyler Lindebaum. I think that's going to be a, a heck of a matchup. But I think if, if Penn State can protect the ball, force Iowa to, to try to drive the length of the field, I, I think Penn State gets enough offensive production that they win in the fourth quarter. And I think it's going to be a classic, just like some other big Penn State Iowa games at Iowa City. But I think Penn State pulls it out 23, Iowa 17. I think that is going to be a heck of a game. 
and I think might be the preview of the Big Ten championship game because I think Penn State right now is that I think they look really, really good. I, I think Ohio State is going to have something to say about that. But I, I like them. I like their team. I think they continue to get better. And let's, let's just be honest, no one in the West is coming close to Iowa at this point. It, it would be a Herculean effort for a team to rise out of the West to challenge Iowa. So those are the five picks. Let, let's take a quick break. And then we will talk about Cincinnati, the Bearcats. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Does Cincinnati have a BYU problem? Now, you might be thinking, why are we talking about this on the Big Ten Football Talk podcast? Cincinnati, not a Big Ten team. BYU, not a Big Ten team. But I think it helps give context to the national scene. So let me, let me explain why I'm picking BYU in particular. BYU is getting no buzz right now in terms of playoff consideration. They're ranked 10th, which you're like, okay, they're 10th, but they probably have no shot to break through. But I want you to, to just look inside their schedule and the numbers. BYU has beaten Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State. Arizona State's ranked 22. Utah was ranked at the time that, that they played. They're not ranked anymore, and I don't know if they'll get back to being ranked, and that matters. And Arizona stinks, okay? Granted. But that's three Pac-12 teams, three Power 5 teams. Meanwhile, Cincinnati has played Notre Dame, big win, Indiana, E, and then Murray State, and Miami of Ohio. So, like... What's impressive again? No, Notre Dame, yes, and then a bunch of nothing. And it's it's sad because I think a lot there was a lot of hype around Indiana going into the season, but eh. Now let's go back to BYU for a minute. So they played three power five teams. They play at Baylor, Big 12 team. They were just ranked. They lost to Oklahoma State, but Baylor could pick up some wins, get ranked. At Washington State. Eh, probably not going to get ranked. Virginia. Maybe. Maybe they'll get ranked. They just had a, a big win over Miami. At USC. Eh, probably not going to be ranked, but maybe. Maybe they've got some talent. I don't, I don't expect any of those teams to be anything more than maybe a fringe top 25 team by the end of the year. But it's still seven power five teams from three different power five conferences. They also, I think they play South Florida. Um, let me look at their schedule here. They play, they play Boise state, which Boise state's not that great right now. Um, they play Idaho state and they play Georgia Southern. Okay. So a bunch of nothing there, but 
aside from that, they're playing a power five schedule. Compare that to, uh, to Cincinnati. Cincinnati plays SMU, who's ranked 24. And then they play a bunch of AAC scrubs. Just to give you insight into who they play next, they play Temple. Temple's probably one of the better teams on their schedule the rest of the way. Temple got beat by 40-plus against Rutgers. Okay, that's like maybe their third or fourth best team on their schedule. That's, that's not good. You know, they the schedules don't match up and yet Cincinnati's getting a lot of buzz about being a playoff contender. Listen, let's look at the Indiana Cincinnati game for a minute. Indiana was leading that game into the fourth quarter. Indiana has lost by 25 to Iowa was never in it. They lost by 24 to Penn state. They were never really in it. And honestly, they might be on its way to a bowl this season. Like they have to play Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. And so that power five win does not look good anymore. So the, the, the whole resume for Cincinnati hangs on one win in South Bend. And while I, I really like Desmond Ritter and the Bearcats, and, and honestly, I would put them and I'd put BYU in if they go undefeated because I, I believe in undefeated teams and I, I hate the system the way it is. They have two major hurdles with the playoff committee. One is obvious, and I, this is where the Big Ten gets involved. Just compare a Big Ten team with one loss to Cincinnati. I'm going to compare them to Ohio State. Ohio State has one loss. They lost to Oregon early. But if they win out, they have a top 25 win over Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. They'll have gone on the road to beat the same Indiana team that Cincinnati uh, beat. And imagine if Ohio State beats Indiana by 40-plus. That's another data point in favor of Ohio State. Like, who's the committee going to put in at that point, right? They're, they're probably going to put Ohio State in. And my point there is this. It's not necessarily about the Big Ten, as here's the BYU problem. If you have to consider both those teams, it is a lot easier to disregard both of them. Because you put Cincinnati in, you better put BYU in. Like, look at BYU compared to Cincinnati. Seven power five wins to two. Two ranked wins at time of play to possibly two ranked wins if SMU keeps it up. The, the only difference right now between Cincinnati and BYU, the only difference is that Cincinnati was hyped up at the beginning of the season and that they were hyped of having two big-time opponents on their schedule. Well, now they only have one. And imagine if Notre Dame tanks it the rest of the season. Like they play Virginia Tech this week. And, you know, I, I said in an earlier podcast, maybe they run the table and it's easy. But after seeing them against Cincinnati, I, you know, are they? Are they going to make it out of Blacksburg? I'm not sure. 
like if if Notre Dame goes eight and four or seven and five, Cincinnati has no argument. And even if Notre Dame goes eleven and one, I think Cincinnati's argument is very very slim. And it becomes more difficult because if you have to compare them to BYU, I will tell you right now, the committee is going to prioritize better strength of schedule and bigger brands over both those teams. Like it's, it's going to be really easy to put in a one loss Georgia or a one loss Alabama or a one loss Penn state or Iowa or Ohio state or Michigan over any of those teams. It's going to be a lot easier to put a one-loss Oklahoma in over them. It doesn't matter that they're undefeated. Like, their their schedules are weak, and BYU's is stronger. So, I think Cincinnati has a big BYU problem, because if BYU, and, and here's the thing, if BYU loses a couple games, then I it really helps Cincinnati, because no longer is the committee thinking, well, what do we do with both of these teams? They're now thinking, what do we do with Cincinnati? And I think you can make an argument, a good argument for Cincinnati that they deserve to be in if they're undefeated compared to a lot of one and two loss teams. But if they have to compete with another group of five team that has a better resume, that's going to get really dicey for the Bearcats. And so I think for Cincinnati's sake, they, they still have a lot of things that need to happen to get to the playoff. First and foremost, they need BYU to lose so that there's no comparison with a group of five team. And honestly, I think they need a lot of losses ahead of them. Because I think even if it's just Cincinnati, if if it's between Cincinnati and Ohio State, as much of a fan as I am, I would put Cincinnati in. But if you look at the committee and how they have valued eye test, resume, all all that stuff, they're going to put in Ohio State every time if they have one loss. You know, so I, I just, I, I think Cincinnati has some work to do, but I, for their sake, BYU needs to lose. And for BYU's sake, I think Cincinnati needs to lose because it, if, if they start comparing group of five teams, they're, they're in trouble because they'll, they'll find a good reason in their minds, at least to throw both of them out. And so they need one of them to lose so that it's one team from the group of five to stack up with the mess of, of power five teams that they're evaluating. That, that might sound convoluted, but I really think it's, it's something that is going to come to play if BYU keeps winning. So my hope is that Cincinnati can keep winning out. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I think the, the disaster scenario for the group of five is if BYU loses and SMU beats Cincinnati, then SMU is not going to get in the playoff as an undefeated team, unless if everybody has three losses. In that case, I think SMU might sneak in, maybe, probably not. So Cincinnati has a big BYU problem, and the group of five has a big playoff committee bias problem. So we're going to talk more about this. I I mentioned on the last pod, we're going to do a couple things next week. I'm going to do my normal recap video. I'm also going to try to do a mid-season review where we're going to take a look at the hot garbage I put out at the beginning of the season. Remember how I said Texas A&M was going to be the number one seed in the playoff? <laughs> that was that was wrong. That was very wrong. Wrong indeed. 
uh, we'll we'll take a look at that and more. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll take a look at all the ridiculousness. We'll also kind of go through some Heisman contenders and and things like that stuff I haven't really talked about here on the pod yet. And then I'll do my week six or my week seven picks next week as well. So that'll be on the uh, on the schedule for next week. Thanks for listening to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Really appreciate you guys. Again, remember to like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, and we will see you next time on the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. God bless.